So I looked at this as big business from day one. Um, I looked at where I wanted to be, and that's what makes me different from other merchers is because I looked at the other higher tiers and I said, okay, I have, I think, two T-shirts today that I can design um, and then upload because you're limited at the beginning. And then I'll have 10 and then I'll have 25 and then I'll have 50. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson. So you're looking for an advantage to help you woo a brand. Well, one of the tools that you can use is scope. You could check out their product and then check out their competitors and find the keywords their competitors are using and check out theirs and see that they're not and then say, okay, I've got an idea. Let me do this. Let me enhance your brand. That's the thing you can bring to the marketplace. When you can enhance the brand, you're going to win that account. So try it. You get a free trial, but sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code momentum and save 50 bucks. It's a free trial. Try it and see if you can enhance the brand. It's time to get the listings right. So what should you do? You should get your images right, right? So Amazing Freedom has a program to help you do that, and we've used them. It's phenomenal what they can do. you got to go look at this. So you go to amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos and take a look at the examples of what you can do with an image. You take and you give them some sample images, um, some simple images, and then what they do is they take and... Um, insert them with lifestyle uh, photos. And so all of a sudden, you're going to see an example of what a plain image looks like and then what it can be enhanced to. Why is this of value to you? Well, you're in the wholesale business. And guess what? You want to add value to the brand. And this is just a simple way to do it. They offer all those kinds of services. Scroll down to the bottom. If you really want somebody to help really improve this service and you want to bring value to that brand because you want exclusivity, the services uh, that they offer for um, listing enhancement will blow your mind. So, again, it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos. Take a look at what you can do for your brand that you're trying to get. If you're ready to learn about wholesale, then I suggest Best from the Nest and Robin Johnson. Her unstoppable Amazon Academy will help you learn from basically even opening an account if you're brand new to Amazon, but then all the way to brand building. How do, you, how do you enhance a brand? How do you have that conversation? There's 300 plus videos, probably more than that by now. So very simple. Little as $49 a month. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. That's it. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. Check out the services that they offer. Check out some of the events that she hosts. Do you want to go walk around ASD? Check it out. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. Add an important member to your Amazon team's solutions for e-commerce. Yep, solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker's team helps manage our Amazon account. We pay full price just like everybody else. We've been using it for a couple of years, and the reason is is because of the results. We modify a lot of listings, especially in wholesale, because we're trying to enhance that listing, right? We're trying to help the brand. And so guess what? That's the type of service that we get from solutions for e-commerce. So it's solutions, the number four, e-commerce dot com forward slash wholesale and you can get fifty dollars off her service go try it give it a shot and say hey could you help me get this listing in line and guess what that allows you to go out and develop relationships with wholesalers and then the work gets done by karen and her team i can't recommend it enough we use it again we pay full price solutions the number four e-commerce dot com forward slash wholesale save fifty bucks get that important 
part of your team working for you. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 379 RJ Macalanda. Very, very cool story. Uh, again, these young guys who get it at such a young age, um, inspire old dudes like me. They inspire me, you know, A, it gives me confidence in our younger generation that, you know, despite what you read in the newspapers or hear on TV, not true. These are just people that have figured out that they don't want to work forever to get that potential reward 30, 40, 50 years in the future. Um, and it's not like they're looking for self-gratification now. They're just looking to live life now. Why wait 30 or 40 years and, and you know, nobody's guaranteed that time. And so I think that it's so cool that a, a younger group, a younger generation figured that out. I guess that's what it's cool. I wish, you know, 30 years ago I would have figured it out. But it is what it is. Um, but we can get inspired. So great story, again, of merch and what it's allowed someone to do. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a couple of really key points. I love his description of slow travel. Uh, digital nomad or slow travel lifestyle. I think there's something very, very clever about that. Rather than you know running around the the world showing you know 100 countries, I think you know getting to go and revisit and then build that foundation in that community, very, very attractive. It was very cool the way he described that. Um, the other thing is is that you know he's he's starting groups with young guys and he's guys because he's a guy, but it's younger people. Um, I don't see a lot of that. I do see a lot of older guys too. And so very cool. Go follow him um, and reach out to him if you fit that bill. This could be somebody that can be very uh, helpful to you as you're looking for to design your own lifestyle business. Let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. We're excited about today's guest. I'm, I'm living my life vicariously through him. Watching in our pre-call, we were talking about the food he's eating, and it just blows my mind, the experiences that someone could have when they adopt this digital nomad lifestyle. I really, really love it. RJ Makalanda. How did I do on the name? Yeah, that's great. That's a tough one. That's a lot of that's a lot of uh, letters. A lot of A's. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of A's. So is that fair? I mean, you are a digital nomad. Is that yep. is that a badge you wear proudly? Um. Okay. So I do wear it proudly, just because it it was a lot of hardship to get to where I'm at. Um. For a lot of people, the term digital nomad is kind of cringy. I don't really care. It's just one of the most common names. Um. But well, I picture prefer... guys smoking pot, sitting, uh, <laughs> barely, you know, barely living, you know, drinking from dirty bottles, you know, just kind of, that's not the way it is, is it? Eh, that's a hobo, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it, it's, there's an inference there. I mean, in some way. Digital there, hobos. <laughs> yeah, there was a negative connotation to it for the longest time. Now, old dudes like me are looking like, man, these guys have figured it out. We, we, we are so envious of you. <laughs> uh, it's all good um people say like location independent entrepreneur is a better term but digital nomad is just catchy i don't yeah i just do do me so location independent i mean how how important was that for you and and is it still um yeah it's absolutely important so anywhere i can go just pick up and decide like hey i want to be over here I just go do it. And that's really what I wanted. I just wanted freedom. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely important. Well, let's get into the story how you get there. So so you were in high school. Were you in the U.S. when you went to high school? 
Yeah. So born and raised in Dallas. um, And then high school is also in Dallas. Then I moved to Arkansas for college. Uh, That's where I studied marketing. Okay. And so you were going to do what with that degree? What was the big dream? Uh, The big dream was to be outside sales um, in the medical industry. And so what was attractive about that? I mean, what was it the money? Because you've heard that that's where the big money is. Um, okay. So I, in high school, I was really shy. I didn't talk to a lot of people and I got enrolled into the speech club, um, by my parents. And of course I didn't say anything cause I was shy, but I was like really, um, dreading it. <laughs> and when I was in the speech club, this is not just a regular speech class. It's every single weekend you wake up at 5am and go to sleep at like 10 doing a tournament. So you're driving to a different city and you're competing against other high schools. And so you're doing speeches every single, you know, hour after hour after hour tournament style. Um, and so that's, that's completely like the opposite of what someone wants to do as an introvert. So I got but into did that, that break you of that it broke me. I mean, it, totally it was, me. so that's, that's a good piece of advice. So if, if somebody is, uh, you know, they always say face your, face your, uh, your demons, face them, right? <laughs> but, but realistically by doing it that repetitively consistently, and then having a little success, you can break a bad habit. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm not you know, 100% extrovert, but I know I have the skills and talent to mm, go out and cool. speak in public. As a dad, that's um, very cool, dad. Dad did a good job there. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of what forced me into marketing because I started winning a lot of titles for speech and I said, okay, this is actually what I'm good at. I need to apply this into some sense. And so that's when it transitioned to marketing and that's how I was like, okay, I think I can do sales and outside sales. Um, the medical industry, because my mom's a nurse and so I look up to my mom quite a lot and I've always wanted to, you know, make them proud. They always wanted me to be a doctor and this was just kind of happy middle. Um, and of course, like, yeah, it's a high, high paid industry. Um, so that's, that's kind of like the path that I, I wanted. Um, and that's what I went for when I was in college. But, um, it was also a transition of like, do I want to follow entrepreneurship or do I want to go into the corporate life? Um, so if you want me to talk about that or, yeah, no, I do because I want to understand what, what you were thinking. Did you have a vision of what corporate life looked like? Uh, positive Um, or negative? I mean, it's important. It was a dream. Like I, I was like, oh, I want the nicest suits. I want, you know, the nicest car. I want to be the guy going into the hospitals, like knowing what I'm doing and like really making a difference with the products and stuff and like really helping a lot of people. Um, That's what you thought it was. That was shiny. I thought that was the dream. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. When did you realize that that might not, or maybe you didn't, Uh, you probably do now, but I mean, did you realize that there might be a little chink in that armor? Um, yes, I did. Um, but it was kind of in different phases. Okay. So when I was in college, I had a couple businesses. Um, and not all of them were great, but at least I knew like I had some kind of entrepreneurship mindset. And so I was on the verge of um, going full into entrepreneurship and going into the corporate life. So it was my senior year of, of college and I had all these, these jobs lined up, but I also had this, um, this also dream on like the, the readiness to just go into the full entrepreneurship, but I chose corporate. Um, 
And when that corporate dream kind of died, especially the medical sales, uh, it was when I was going through trying to get to that path because with medical sales, you need a lot of experience and you need to have like a bio degree and you need to have a whole bunch of like this, 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 check all these off and then five years experience, then you can get to the spot I wanted to be in. And I was like, sure, I could, I could totally do that. Um, the position I ended up going with was a mix of outside and inside sales. So it was an insurance brokerage, um, kind of deal. So I would be going to banks and going to, um, real estate offices, mortgage people and doing outside sales there, trying to get their clients to sell insurance to. And then on the other half, it would be selling the insurance in the office, um, doing all the calls and everything. And I was going to say like, okay, I'll do this for, you know, prove my worth. Insurance sales is one of the hardest sales, um, to be in. And so I can bridge that into the medical industry. Um, and as I was doing that, I realized, you know, it's not really what it all was Your meant out to be. Your soul was dripping away, wasn't it? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it had all the perks and everything. Like you, you could, you had a budget of what you could spend, um, for expenses and like you could take loan officers out and you could do all these fancy things. But on the flip side, I was working like 80 hours a week. And then half of that time, actually more than half, it was just customers yelling at you because it's like um, insurance is not the most, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah, appealing thing. Those, like, I sold insurance when I got out of college too. So let me ask you a question. Your yep. friends, right, mm -hmm. generally, the majority of your friends, did they go the same path as you thinking that corporate life is it and it's going to be the, the way to go? And did that influence you in some ways? Um, I mean, I think it's not just my friends. It's just what's expected of society these days. So uh, out of my high school, it was like uh, probably a good 98, 95% went to university. And out of mostly everyone, um, my friends in university, they all, that's the path to go to find a corporate job afterwards. No one really goes to entrepreneurship. There were a handful, I'd say like maybe two or three that had businesses. And of course I had um, my own businesses in university. So I was hanging around a couple of those guys, but mostly everyone, they're still geared towards that corporate mindset. You know, I'm thinking about like banks, for example, a friend of mine is a big VP at a bank and I saw something mm -hmm. in the newspaper, believe it or not, I actually saw a newspaper today and it had in there that they acquired another bank. Now, mm -hmm. you know what happens to the marketing department in that other bank that they just bought? They're gone. They get completely gone. <laughs> yeah, because that's how they pay for it, right? That's, you know, all the administrative, all the all those. And so what what's missing today in that dream of what you have, what your parents had, and your yeah, maybe your grandparents, probably not, but but your parents for sure is that that was the career path that your parents and me, because I'm probably as old as your parents, um, were sold because that's what you do. You go to work at that bank and you do, you work your way up and you earn your way up and you get to the VP level and you just keep working your way through. Today though, outside of your control, I think you guys understand it so much better than we do. And I see so many old dudes, 50 plus, I call, I call that old because I'm in there so I can say it, not realizing that that didn't, that doesn't matter. You guys get it. I mean, is that fair? You guys get it that you could be gone tomorrow, but you could leave tomorrow at your own free will? 
Yeah, we just look at the society as it is, and we understand that there's a lot of shortcuts you could take. Um, so, oh, not having sense, to give your twenty years and or that time, like that six years, right? Five years of experience and all the way. You that is a path, but there are also shorter paths. That's exactly interesting. Exactly, especially and what I'm talking about is retirement. So you spend you know 50 years to get to Hawaii. Um, when we realize like you know you could just work from Hawaii on your laptop, mm-hmm. um, and what's the point of you know making that all that money and then blowing it out in a week? Um, I'd rather just stay there long term. You know, when I look at the pictures, and and I'll post uh, his Instagram stuff here, so people can go take a look at it. I mean, it's not you're not bragging, but you're just living your life. Does that does that feel genuine to you now? Because you you've had some time to think about it. I mean, is this mm-hmm. like the life you're led to live? I mean, is that is that weird the way I said that? Um, are you saying like this is is this what I want or? Well, is it? Is it like flow for you? I mean, does it feel like, you know, you know how when things work and you can get into a flow and you just know that you're meant to do this, even for now, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that now that, you know, when I look at those pictures, I can see that's a, that looks like somebody who's really enjoying themselves and pretty happy. Yeah. I mean, I am enjoying myself and it, it is an awesome lifestyle, but there are a lot of negatives to it. Right, there are um, It's And these negatives are the ones that I will... I'll take over corporate life um, because, you know, I was when I was in in insurance, there was some days where I was just like, oh, I can't take this. I'd go to the bathroom and cry. Mm-hmm. And like at that time, I'd be like, oh, that's a lot. And like it's heavy. And uh, I'd be complaining to my parents and stuff. And they'd be like trying to be like, hey, you can do it. Suck um, it up, buddy. Suck it up. Come I on. know. Yeah, yeah, right? It's like so you just kind of bottle it in yourself and then you just go and like <laughs> go to the bathroom and start, you know, bawling out. Bawling but... <laughs> How about your friends? I mean, could you have these conversations with your friends? Um, I mean, you know, you don't want a pity party and you feel like misery, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you, you're lucky to have a good job and you, you know, obviously, but realistically, I mean, did you have kindred spirits with some of your friends feeling the same way? Um, you mean as in relating to them of like how they're struggling in corporate life or? Yeah. Yeah. But just with the grind at, at your age to have a grind and you're so young when this happened to actually have a grind yes. that young is a bad feeling because you only got 50 more years of it, right? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of my friends, they've switched jobs and a lot of people, most everyone I know doesn't like their job. Um, And so, yeah, I sympathize with that. And it's just even when I try to push them out of that comfort zone and show them like the other direction, they still are too comfortable to make the switch. Um, And so it's I kind of don't really have that sympathy anymore. I just kind of accept that like, hey, that's the life they want to live and just let them do what they want. Is So you you felt empathy and you felt like you wanted to help people. And when you tried to help, what happened? Um, okay, so out of my whole entire um, experience from having success and then trying to share it, I've sat through with people laptop to laptop, showed my entire business model and showed them everything I do and all the secrets and things that people don't even do um, in my my industry. And after a while, they just, they, they get excited, they stop, and then they go back to what they're comfortable with. Um, and so 
that, that kind of hurts um, when you when you really want somebody to go and make it and like, hey, here's everything and like give them everything. And then um, all of a sudden it's like they just take it for granted and then continue their their regular life. What uh, do you think that is? I mean, do you think if you if somebody would have handed you this life back uh, when I mean, I wonder if you would have acted on it. I mean, I know you did take action, but you had to mm-hmm. learn along the way. Right. It's not easy. Right. I'm sure it's not easy. Right. There are pain. You push through the pain. You come out on Mm -hmm. the other side. You learn something. You don't go back into pain. You know, all those things here. You're making it easy saying, Steve, here's the answer. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Just do Mm -hmm. this. But I don't feel the pain. Is that part of it, do you think? I think it is part of it. I think some people need to hit a certain point where it just hurts too much that they have to take action. Um, And if people aren't comfortable with. Uh, where they're at, then they're going to, you know, get off the fire um, and make something happen. So, I mean, I go through that as well. Like, I'm definitely in a a place of comfort right now, and I know I can be better, but um, I think it's just human nature to to stay stagnant sometimes. So it it just depends. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think it happens to everybody, and it it gets more frequent the older you get. Um, um, so just get ready for that. Okay. So, so you decide that the insurance life isn't cutting it. You Mm -hmm. get, you know, get off the toilet, you stop crying and you say, what, 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 what triggers? And then how did you take action? Yeah. So part of the job I said was driving around to different offices and stuff. Some places would be like an hour out of Dallas and, I was working 80 hours a week and just really grinding it out and I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I wasn't seeing my friends or family like weekends were just gone too. And it was around the third or fourth time that I fell asleep at the wheel and I just woke up and I was like, I am not about to risk my life for my boss. I know if I put the same amount of hours and effort into myself, then I can make probably at least two times as much as I'm making right now. And that was really the point where, um, I had the revelation of like, yes, I need to make a change now. Well, let me ask a, let me ask a question there. So you think you could have made two times what you were making then? Mm-hmm. So money was still the driver at that point, or was it to say, if I can make two times, then I can make one in half the time? I mean, what was mm-hmm. the math in your mind? Um, it wasn't exactly like all just money related, but it was just the time I was spending in the office. It could have been spending it on myself or doing what I wanted to do or, you know, making enough money to ensure my happiness and the happiness of like people that I care about. So, um, just all of those factors combined, it was just saying, should I stay in this job for X amount of years and make X amount of money and then make a switch or just make it happen now and then, um, really get going on the grind. Cause when I was in the office, I also looked at everyone else in the office, especially Mm -hmm. the people that had tenure. And so, the guys that were, you know, at doing this for a long time, they were making a ton of money, like 200k a year or something like that. And I was on track for for six figures in in, in a few years and I was actually pretty pretty good at what I was doing. Um but I saw the same lifestyle as day 1 to, you know, people that were in the office for a long time and um I know one thing that really stuck with me was 
they were celebrating one of the older guys, one of the top salespeople in the in the office. He canceled his Disney vacation for his family because he needed to make this big sale. And everyone was celebrating that, but I, I was just thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, well, that sucks. I don't really want that. And people explained to me, it's like when you take vacation – you actually lose on a lot of sales because what if your clients are calling you? What if your, um, you know, your realtor is calling you? What if your partners are calling you? And all of a sudden, someone else has a better opportunity for them than they can go and snipe your sales. So the work actually never stopped, and there's just so many factors that I realized: like, what am I doing here? Um, and even if I went into a different industry. I realized like, okay, the people that left our office, they went into home security sales and that's basically the same grind, just a different product. Um, so that's, that's when I needed out and that's when I put in the research of like, what is the opposite of this? All right. Before we go there, because mm -hmm. it is exciting because it, it's very cool to me how you found your lane in this world. But mm -hmm. before we go there, I want to do this math. So you realize that, you know, you could earn double what you were earning, right? That's mm -hmm. what your goal was. But did you ever think about what it would have taken, and I'm sure this might have played into the decision, to earn double in that office, right? It would oh, have taken course. 10 or 20 years. Like you said, 80 hours a week, no vacations. You know, I, I think back to my corporate life and the kids' stuff I missed. Oh, it breaks my heart to think about it. I won't do it with my grandkids, but I did with my kids because that's what we did, right? Mm -hmm. That is never worth it. Never, ever, ever worth it. Um, but to be mature about that now. The other thing that I, I would say for somebody listening who's going through this right now is to think about that guy making 200K or even 100K, right? Making six figures. There's a lifestyle that comes along with that that's expected. Mm -hmm. I remember how many times we upgraded in house because oh, oh yeah you know it was expected you know like you said the car the suits the, all that stuff comes along we had club memberships that a cost and so when you're making that kind of money it becomes kind of like a heroin that you have to keep making it to keep the machine moving right now, I'm assuming in your lifestyle now you don't spend a tenth of that correct no yeah you're right <laughs> how different is that that's so different than your parents and your grandparents would have grown. Well, probably not your grandparents. Your grandparents would have thought the same way. But, you know, your parents in that generation, and I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying I'm part of that generation too. That's not what we were led to believe. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a different side of the sword now. So um, I kind of feel pressure to keep traveling to show people more places um, hmm. because it's like, ah, I need to keep fulfilling this lifestyle. But then it's like, I like being home too. So that's, that's kind of the, the negative that I have right now. And like the, the status of being a digital nomad, like I'm, I can work wherever and I can be wherever, but uh, I don't know. It's, it, this Does is it something always I have to really be exotic, of. right? Does it always it, have to be? It doesn't always have to be, but, uh, for me, it's just the thought of like, am I going to a destination because I want to check off a box now or am I going to a destination because I think it's cool? And you're trying to please somebody else. Yeah. So, uh, this, this just came up recently because my whole motto going into this lifestyle was I looked at all these people going to, you know, 50 countries in one year. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to do slow travel because I don't want to burn out. I really like this lifestyle. And, um, this past January, I did six countries in one month, and I was 
that that completely like fried my brain um <laughs> and that's when i realized like what am i doing this for because it used to just be go to different places that i like and go back to them after i established a community make friends and really learn the city um so i lived in canada for six months lived in mexico for six months and um visited thailand japan and um philippines mm. Uh, around three times each now. So Philippines way more because I have family there. But um, yeah, I just stuck to my core like around five or six countries. And this past month, it was like six different places. It was just too much. much. And yeah, that's when I I was like, I don't know what I'm I'm trying to fulfill here. If I'm trying to go to a different country just to say I, I went to a country or am I actually just trying to to experience life. So I don't know. <laughs> is that we'll a risk? I mean, is that a risk that you're worried that your followers, right? Cause you're trying to create a tribe of your own that you're letting them down that, you know, you're not living. I mean, to see you in a coffee house in Dallas, right? A private mm-hmm. coffee house, not even a Starbucks, right? A, a, just a private coffee house in Dallas, uh, drinking a great cup of coffee, um, chatting with other people or at a, um, um, at a, um, a we work type of place. Uh-huh. That, I mean, to to an old dude like me, that's still attractive, because mm. you're choosing. Do you know what I mean? I know it's not as exotic as this island, and damn, it's not <laughs> as good looking as that damn Mexican meal that I saw. Jesus, I'm still thinking about that thing, but but it's still attractive in its own way because you have the freedom, RJ. It's self imposed freedom. I think that's what you got to realize is that you know being digital or being a nomad. I don't know. I, I mean, I know that there's a connotation. Again, it used to have a negative connotation. Now it's a positive, but it's really you're free wherever you are. To me, that's a, still what's so attractive. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, that's that's re- really why I like to do it. Most of um, the time I'm in Dallas, I really enjoy it because I'm actually here for fishing season. March, April, May is is when the <laughs> fishing season really hits hard. Um, I think I came uh, a month early though, because it's around thirty degrees right now. So, oh, dude, it's, yeah. it's gonna we're gonna get like six inches of snow. I don't want to hear it. That's a, you know, it's still you're I wishing it was thirty degrees. Yeah, I, I, I take thirty without the snow. All but right, yeah, so I mean, you're right. You're right. So I, it's I just, like I think gotta I'm, be where I'm, you want. I, well, I, you're being self-aware. To me, again, as a dad, I get proud of kids who figure this stuff out. You know, because. You're being self-aware. You're saying, okay, this is what I want. And then you go get it and you say, hmm, this isn't quite what I want. Let me adjust. Mm. It's not that you're in the corner. You're not in the bathroom crying anymore, right? <laughs> you're figuring it out. And to me, that's the that's the maturity that, you know, that you guys have as a generation. You know, everybody says that that generation's no good. Yeah, get, look, good luck. They're going to pass us by because they're going to outlive us because they understand how to adapt. Um, okay. We let's let's start talking about the research process mm-hmm. so what what did you what was your initial thinking that you were going to do just do marketing stuff from wherever or what were you thinking no so um it first started out as everyone else how to make money online Ooh, yeah, <laughs> search, that's, you that, know? nobody's ever searched for that right yeah I wonder how many so... people have searched for that. let's see how many let me, i'm gonna do that let me just google real quick yeah. Make money. Let's just see and wait till you see my feed is going to get filled with all this nonsense. Let's see how many responses. <laughs> how to make money online. Okay. 
Well, I guess you have to spell it. There are only, now this isn't too bad. It took 0.72 seconds, mm-hmm. 5,350,000 results. Okay, so it's pretty easy to find something to do, right? There's 5 million opportunities, according to this, according to Google. Right. Uh, So where did you start? And so I started by books. Um, I used to read about a book a week, especially when I was in sales. I really was reading a whole bunch of sales books and entrepreneurship books and business books in general. And there was one book called The Millionaire Fastlane Oh. And they had a Is that forum. Ryan um, Moran? I no. don't remember the author, sorry. Uh, okay, go ahead. I, I, um, I know the book. Go ahead. Yeah, so they have a forum online, and it's just a bunch of people that have read the book, and they're like ready to go start, or there's a bunch of people that are already in the fast lane, and they're trying to help people out. And there was one article that really stuck with me. It was by this, like, 18 19 year old kid who started an app agency and i was 22 at the time and so i was like wow this kid is younger than me and he's making you know a ton of money and it doesn't seem that hard the way he describes it um and so i said i could do that you know i'm older i have more experience than him so why don't i go ahead and try it and the general business model was just to get a contract from the states go to a cheaper country, hire developers for cheaper, and then fulfill that contract, send it back to the States, and collect the the money off of that. Um, so this easy. kid was making like 20K, 30K, 60K a pop just by hiring other people, being the middleman, and then selling it back to where the customer is. Okay, again, that sounds easy, and it's like, ooh, this is great, especially, you know, 60K. Clean. Yep. Yep. How, it does sound how easy. easy. Was it? <laughs> it was a lot of work. Mm. Um, so I partnered with other people and they had investors from Dubai and they were way older than me and they were more experienced. Um, and so I had the deadline of like, okay, I'm going to go to Bangkok and I'm going to hire developers there for them. And then we'll figure stuff out afterwards. And so I partnered with like three or four agencies total of like a pool of I'd say over a hundred developers and we had you know the resources to go and then when I came back from Thailand um, it was supposed to hit the ground and then start finding more business and then start doing the contracts and stuff and when I was on the ground again Um, back in Dallas, I found myself in the exact same scenario that I just left. So I was working 80 hours a week again, Mm -hmm. um, going to different locations, driving to different clients and then doing the sales. And I was like, didn't I just leave this? Um, with a lot more security you had in the other scenario. (laughs) Yeah. And so we actually didn't make a whole lot of money doing that just because we weren't really prepared to, to go in. Um, it's still a good business model. A lot of people do it, but I, I just looked at it and was like, I didn't want this lifestyle. It's not the same as what I envisioned it to be. Um, but on the other side, I found what are called digital nomads and there's a conference in Chiang Mai, Thailand where they just have a bunch of speakers and like people are just willing to help people out and show their business models and stuff. So that, that first Thailand trip was kind of like a, 
two-pronged purpose of like find the developers but then also learn from everyone that's doing this travel stuff um and so that's really where most of my research came from to become a digital nomad it's almost uh, the way it's been described to me it's like a joshua tree moment right if if this works for you the clouds open up the sun beams down on you and you realize that of what the potential could be if that's what you're into right is that is that a fair explanation of what your experience at yeah. that conference was yeah you're around nothing but like-minded people saying man I, I don't want the responsibility of life i want to do it on my terms right that's that's generally the experience yeah absolutely Okay, so you go, uh, you pull this money up, you go. What led you there? I mean, what what was the thing that said, I have to go on this trip to find myself? Because um, that's a big jump. It's not like somebody, you know, it's yeah. a, a friend come and pick you up and say, hey, I'm going to take you, you. We're intervening with you, RJ. This is an intervention, <laughs> right? It wasn't that. What, what drives somebody to go there? Because that's a big commitment. You know, you can't find anyone doing this kind of thing in Dallas, no matter how many entrepreneurship workshops you go to or how many um, people you try to meet online, there's nothing as the same as going to Chiang Mai and going to the workshops there and learning from people that are actually doing it full time. You see um, the proof of concept, like because as you're saying, if you go to a, a you know a WeWork and you go to one of the workshops, it's going to be the graphic artist or the you know sign maker or what have you. Mm -hmm. That's not what you wanted. You didn't want to create another job. You had already tried that and that didn't work again. So yeah, yeah. So that that's interesting that you get out, you physically get away. Um, it probably has something to do with going halfway across the world too. I, I imagine that plays into it. Um. So I've I've traveled quite a lot. Uh, we, me and my family go to the Philippines every three, four years. And so travel was never really uh, a barrier to me. But I will tell you this. There was a time when like, it was probably two weeks before my trip to Thailand. I, I just had like, oh, should I do this? Is this a smart idea? I only have so much money in my bank account. And it's like, I don't know if I should do this. Um, but I'm glad I did. And like all the all the lectures are available online and um, everything from the conference you can find on YouTube, but I just knew like I need to meet someone that's actually doing this face to face. And that's kind of how I see it. It's like if you want to become a really good basketball player, you got to go to someone that's already at a higher level than you are. Right. And step up. But, you know, one of the things that I would worry about would be the example of you giving away all your secrets. All right. Here you go, RJ. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you all my business secrets. Here's how you do all this <laughs> stuff. I mean, yep. that's a risk if you go to that place and, and somebody says, oh, RJ, you can do this. And then you come back and don't take action, right? That's a real possibility. Most people mm -hmm. don't take action. Fair? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. So you go there. You have this revelation. What was the revelation? Um, so as I was in the Nomad Conference, it was it was just looking at everyone and really talking to everyone from different countries and seeing that okay, this business model seems really easy. Um, and then trying it for myself and then watching other people make sales and then really learning about what they do and how different everyone thinks. Um, and, and so it's what just, business were you leaning towards at that point? It was drop shipping on eBay. So, uh, so David drop ship through, from Amazon to eBay, correct? 
Um, dropship from anywhere. Yeah, okay. it, could, it was mostly Home Depot or like Toys R Us to, to eBay. Um, and so there were people, it's called retail arbitrage, mm -hmm. and then you just drop ship from um, one location to the other. They were buying products from like homedepot.com. Actually, they weren't even buying them. They were just listing them on eBay. So they'd take the picture and the exact description, putting that as an eBay listing, marking it up by 40%, and then checking the international box. So let's say like there was one of those reindeer that you put on your lawn. Um, you buy that from Home Depot and then ship it to the customer. Um, so you don't even see the product physically. And I thought that was so cool. Um, so that's the first one that I tried to get into. And... I realized it wasn't for me around like two, three weeks in when I had to upload, you know, like 400 things a day. Mm. Um, and people had, you know, listings of 40,000 with like five VAs and it was just a whole process. And I said, I don't think this is for me. So that's when I pivoted. Like when I, when you go through a business model and you look at it and you really analyze it and the time spent and like how you can plug yourself out of that, and how much money you'll make in the future, then you can realize like, okay, maybe this is for me or maybe it's not for me. It's kind uh, of like what you described when you were in corporate America. You look, you basically did that same math. You went forward and said, this is the commitment I have to take. This is the time it would give up. This would be the benefit and the math doesn't work. It's not exactly. And you're saying yeah. you're doing the same thing in the drop shipping model. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. We're seeing a pattern. All right. Um, and so what's yeah, next? I, I tried a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Um, any I'd other good ones that you can you can talk about? Okay, so Shopify. I mm -hmm. was taking a Shopify course. Alex Icon, one of my biggest um, role models and mentors, he started Luxie Hair. Um, he sold it recently. I was watching his YouTube videos for the longest time, and I took his course on Shopify of how he created a brand and made it big and then finally sold his store. Um and while I was taking that course, um, I realized like, okay, I need a lot of money for this because I need to buy the pallets from China and then I need to, you know, pay for the marketing and everything. And it's the same as like FBA is like, you need to do a whole bunch of research and then you need to put down a whole bunch of money and then you need to put even more money in and then try to fulfill orders and do all that. And then I had a realization like, I don't think this is for me either. Um, is it because some of it, people make it sound so easy? I mean, that is definitely one of the things that I hear from people. They're like, everybody talks about all the upside. Nobody talks about the downside. And there's a downside. I don't care what you're doing. There's a downside, mm -hmm. right? Um, is that part of it? And, and I don't know how it is at that digital nomad conference, but people probably talk about how easy it is for them, right? You know, mm -hmm. and they're not bragging, but it's just, oh yeah, I just do this. And it sounds cool and easy. Right. I mean, is that your experience? Um, so it depends. It depends on the model. Like some of them are really easy, like um, Skillshare. So one of the one of the talks was on Skillshare where a guy makes videos of like 45 to 90 minute videos, puts them on Skillshare and he only has like five up, but he's making, you know, six figures a year. Um, because he's is. demonstrating what people are looking for. Uh, he's demonstrating exactly so his his model is based around photography so he's an expert for cafe photography and um people are looking for that kind of stuff and so um yeah it's just okay. filling the void 
uh, finding a demand and then putting the product in place for it. And that seems to be the model for any of them, FBA, Amazon, oh, yeah. retail arb, drop shipping's the same way. I mean, it really is, right? It's you're looking for the gap in the market and you want to squeeze in there and is there enough room for me? Um, interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. so how do we get to Merch by Amazon? Sure. Um, so it was actually during this course that I was taking and I get an email one day and it says, hey, you've been accepted to Merch by Amazon. I said, cool, what's that? Is this a scam? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after a quick search, I'm like, oh, okay, it's actually a business model and there's actually things on it. So and, you had applied uh, for it and just didn't realize. Somebody said, I hey, didn't realize RJ, it. just apply. Just do it like that. That's why we sell Chris I Green honestly like don't that. know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you did it. And somebody said smartly, just do this. You did it. Yeah. Never thought about it. And all of a sudden you're approved. Right. So it takes around six months. It took around six months to a year to get approved previously. Now it's somewhere around a week or two weeks, um, sometimes even 24 hours. But um, at that time, yeah, I calculated six months back. And that was basically when I started this digital nomad search. And I looked at this model and I was like, oh, this is attractive. Um because I realized like there's not a lot of startup costs and there's a high earning potential and there's no real cap. There no are a lot inventory. of downsides. Yeah, no inventory. Okay, so I had a t-shirt business in university and I had this big like heat press. Um, so you take artwork, take a blank uh, t-shirt and then heat up the press to around 400 degrees and then press it down and then your t-shirt's made. And so I had that in my trunk in university, it weighed like 60, 80 pounds, something like that. It was heavy. I couldn't do it by myself. And um, I said, I don't need that. That's crazy. And I don't need like any inventory and I don't need to really do anything. Uh, I don't even need to talk to my customers. That's that's how wild it is. And um, so I said, yeah, that's, let me, let me look into this. And after more research, I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go full in. And so I stopped taking the Shopify course um, and I started plugging in on merch and I did around 30, 40 hours a week on that, just trying to see what works. And so I put up my first design and within three days it sold. And that was my first ever online dollar and i was like oh man and this is keep in mind like this is a good i think six months after that trip to thailand after like you know grinding for that app agency and um really trying to make it work with other various business models and so after that i finally got a dollar and i was like oh man this is it this <laughs> so, is one. did yeah. it you know you said you had a business like that, right? Or you had something mm -hmm. similar. So yeah. the learning curve, right? I mean, you know, it's it's not hard because I can do it and I have one. But but the learning curve for you wasn't anything like you experienced with dropshipping, um, app development or any of that, right? I mean, it was basically, I got to fill this out. I upload this, put a title, that's it. And you're exactly. done. Exactly, yeah. Wait, hold that's on, that's it? it? <laughs> I know. Wait, where's the rest? Come on, I got to do it now. There's no more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for the listeners, this is kind of the process of Merch by Amazon. You have an artwork that you create or you have someone else create. And then you plug that in. You choose what type of product you want. So pop sockets, long sleeves, hoodies, T-shirts. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. And then you click next. You go fill how much you want to price this at. 
put in your title, description, your bullets, choose the colors that you want, and then you submit and wait maybe 24 or 48 hours. And then that product looks like an actual product on any other Amazon page. Um, and then once a customer sees that, they say, oh, it's a cool shirt. They click on it. They buy it. And then Amazon sends you the royalties. So you don't have to do any customer service. You don't even talk to your customers. And um, you just collect the money at the end of the month. It is uh, it is that easy. Now, you know, there is downsides. And we'll talk about that in a minute about, you know, the volume and blah, blah, blah. But it's mm-hmm. even become even cooler than that. Because I never knew this. And everybody else is going to be like, duh, Steve. Um, that there are, I don't know, dozens, if not hundreds of other places you can sell t-shirts yep. that same exact design and now there's software that'll transfer it over there pretty easily and allow you to sell it on teespring and Public and redbubble and blah 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 and there's a million of them <laughs> i don't even know them all but right. it's it's really it's it's an enormous uh, uh right i mean the capacity if if you're into it and i have a friend who's t- tier ten thousand, so he's mm-hmm. scaled um it's enormous the potential mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's really not much of a cap. Okay. So you were you creating your own designs or were you buying your designs? No. So I looked at this as big business from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at where I wanted to be, and that's what makes me different from other merchers is because I looked at the other higher tiers and I said, okay, I have, I think, two T-shirts today that I can design um, and then upload because you're limited at the beginning and then I'll have 10 and then I'll have 25 and then I'll have 50. I said, Oh, when I get to stage 50, how can I upload 50 shirts a day? Is that possible for me? No, it's not possible. Okay. I need to hire a designer. Um, and also I didn't know Photoshop. I didn't know illustrator. I, I, I'm cheap, man. Like I just downloaded GIMP, which is a free program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I had. And so I looked at that and I said, I need to hire designers because look at this. If you spend $10 on a design, if you sell a t-shirt twice at $20, you've already made profit. Um, so as long as I can sell two t-shirts per each design, then the rest of that money is profit. And so if people don't realize that people say like, Oh, I need to design and make sure I'm a good artist, download Photoshop, learn how to do it and all that. But you could use that money on just, you know, paying a designer. Um, so I was paying like $12, $15 a design. I was totally fine with that. But I realized like I could go much cheaper um, later on. Well, let's pause for a second because, yeah. you know, I'm back to what you were talking about earlier. This is a generational thing. As you said, you could download this and you could sit through YouTube classes or Udemy and, and study how to learn all that software or you can mm-hmm. take a shortcut. Right? Something yeah. that we talked about earlier. Exactly. You can hire somebody who's already got those skills, and then you just have to communicate well with them. Were you feeding them the design ideas, or did you leave it up to them? Yes. So I was giving them design ideas, and then I would tell them, like, I want this altered, that altered, blah, 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 but also make it towards this similar style that you've already made before. So, so is this is this uh, one of the secrets to your success, would you say, that that right there? Because a lot of people just say, Give me seven designs next week, RJ. Absolutely, yeah. Like you, you need to have an eye. Um, that's one of the factors that makes me more successful than other people on merch. Because if you don't have the artistic eye and like know what's going to sell, then it's not going to work. Can you sharpen those skills if you don't have it? 
Absolutely. If so, so what do you do? Yeah, so this is what you do. You need to look at what's trending on Amazon. Um, go to Merch Informer or just look at the, the rankings for the Amazon shirts and literally go through every single design on the top 100,000. And then you'll have an idea of like, okay, this is what people are buying. Because a trend is a trend, right? I mean, you're, you're not yep. going to copy their design, but the, the, the you know, um, I've had friends that made six figures selling the... Um, when the moon gets blocked out, the eclipse, right? Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, but that's a trend, right? And they came yep. up with their own unique way to do that. But that lesson they've applied to several other big events, right? That concept. And they've had maybe not as much success, but they've had success. Mm -hmm. And again, they didn't touch a product, right? They didn't, Absolutely. Didn't upload it. Okay. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so you start having some success. Um, how quickly were you able to scale it to be a meaningful income, meaning that you could utilize that money to be able to start living? Right. So for my store, my first month after that first sale, I made around $50. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, that's around 50 sales or so or something, something like that. I'm not sure how much it was. Um, but that was enough to just kind of fuel the fire. Like, oh, this is possible making money online. And so then I just kind of kept at it, kept perfecting my, my system and made sure I knew what was wrong and what was, um, what should be changed. And then the next month I made $350. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, ah, this is like pretty substantial. Um, and at that time, you know, it was, it was still a struggle because I'm, you know, seven, eight months into this journey of not a lot of income, living at home with my parents, bootstrapping and them consistently giving me pressure to you know find another job or like you make it degree, RJ. You yeah like you wasted on. all of our time blah, blah blah trying to do it so like at least like get something secure like it's it's not safe blah 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 and i just kept thinking back to thailand where it's like i know these people are making it they're doing it i can do it too and um i believe in this business model because like i've already seen results so far in three days, I can make a sale. That's crazy. Uh, I know this can scale. So I just kept at it. And then finally on the third month, that was August, um, I hit around $7,000 profit um, for merch. And so it was really just like rocketed up. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, <laughs> this is this – is, uh, this is real. Um, and that's when my parents finally believed me and like, okay. Yeah, show them that. That's that. That's <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, I just want to push past this a second because, you know, you, you went back and thought about those people in Thailand and that helped push you forward. But there had to be more to it than that. I mean, you know, is it an ego thing? Is it an ability thing? What, you know, because I think a lot of people would have given up. You know, they would have gotten 350 bucks and said, hey, that's cool, but that's not going to pay my car payment, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, you got to go all in. Yeah. What, what, what allowed you to push past that? Because I'm thinking of the person who's listening to this right now. And I always tell people, if you've got an eye, you've got a big advantage, right? It, like <laughs> you said, I mean, if you have an eye, I don't have that eye. I'm an accountant by trade, you know? And so my eye is looking at numbers and I can see what's wrong with them. You guys have an eye that looks like that's what people are, are trending towards. What is it though that that somebody can do to push past that because they're all hitting that wall mm -hmm. 
What is it? <clears throat> it's fear for a lot of us, especially if you're older like me. But what is it that got you past that? Uh, first, you got to be in a position where you feel a little bit of comfort, like you have a safety net. Um, for me, I didn't have a lot of things that were debt. So I paid for school and like I I don't have a car payment and not doing any rent because I'm living with my parents. Um, and so I had that safety net, but I had that pressure of my parents pushing on me and all my friends kind of judging me. And then, um, all my family friends, like my parents' friends, they'd ask like, Oh, so what do you do? And then I'd be like, eh, I make t-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was more of just like, I know I can make this work. And, uh, for me, like the edge is I have to be independent and I know that no one's going to help me. Um, and I know that my failures are going to be all on me. Like there are a lot of people that are judging me off of this and I know like I want this as a lifestyle. Um, but I got to use this as fuel. And so there were a lot of people at the conference and they were trying to start out the same as I am, but they gave up, um, some probably maybe three months too early and it's really just jumping out of the airplane and knowing that the parachute's going to open you can't go back into the airplane you got to keep working on it and then make that parachute open as as hard as you can so you've been doing this for a while and you already Uh said that there's some downside to it because you know you do get you know it, it you can only eat so much of that. What is that darn Mexican food again? What would you call it? Or... <laughs> Paria. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you can only eat so much of that, right? I mean, at some point, um, you know, it, it, you know, it gets old, right? Mm-hmm. When you look going forward, what, what do you think, um, lifestyle? What do we call it? Uh, like our location independent lifestyle mm-hmm. is going to mean for you in the next couple of years. Right. Because I, like you said, you, 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 you've already said that you're not likely to keep up this pace. Right? I'm definitely not going to keep up like six countries in one month. No, it's, it's way too much. I much prefer maybe like two in a month, but I've been doing one every two months or so. Um, what it looks like in the future for this kind of lifestyle for me, like I don't see myself stopping being location independent. I don't see myself like settling down anytime soon. I'm only 24. Um, and so I'd spend easily my twenties and thirties somewhere in a different city. Um, but I do think that eventually like this lifestyle, I'd, I'd keep it as a work at home position, travel somewhere throughout, you know, the year. Um, but I don't see myself going to a corporate office anytime soon. No way. You, do you, are you almost unemployable? I mean, are you almost mentally there? Um, I am employable, so I it's it's kind of an edge. I mean, ah, if right someone yeah, like someone goes through this kind of lifestyle, and then um, you can be employable because uh, you've experienced so much more than everyone else has. That's, that's fair. And, and the other thing is, you you probably come with an attitude like, look, dude you're going to treat me right or I'm not going to be here because I could do anything I want. Uh, not really. I mean, like if I wouldn't seek out a, a job, that's not something that I really want. Um, and I'm currently freelancing as a marketer. So um, I do have people that I report to and stuff. Um, okay. 
Okay. All so, right. yeah. so you have some boundaries there. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, that's honest and that's, that's real. So it's not all glamorous. It's not all cocktails and, uh, by the beach every single mm-hmm. day, right? It's not. Oh, okay. absolutely. All right. So, so I want to make sure people get, if they have a follow-up question. So on Instagram, you're RJ dot Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put the link there for Instagram and on Facebook, I can put your Facebook contact if somebody has a follow-up question. Yeah, it is Merch by Amazon Lifestyle. By Amazon Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Okay, so I'm going to put that there. All right, Sweet. so the goal of the podcast is to help people who get stuck. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it sounds like you've hit that place a couple different times and you've been able to push through it. So I'm going to ask you for your best piece of advice for that 23-year-old who's out there listening to you right now saying, I want to do what RJ's doing. I don't want to do what Steve did in the 20 plus years of corporate America. I want to do, I want to live now. Like you said, I want to go to Hawaii now and work on the beach rather than, and take a tax deduction for that rather Mm -hmm. than wait 50 years so I can retire and barely walk on the beach because I'll be so darn old. Right. Yeah. What's, what's the advice that you give to people that really, really want to choose a lifestyle for themselves? Yeah, so you have to follow somebody that's been doing it before. Um, You don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's why I said, like, I followed this 19-year-old kid that was doing an app agency because it's like, oh, I align with that. I'm young. Like, I need to find more people like that. Um, And he's showing me that it's possible, so why can't I do that? If you try to think of, like, how am I supposed to build a business online on my own and without any guidance or without knowing somebody that's done it before, then you're going to struggle a lot. So so follow somebody. Again, you're back to your going to to Thailand to that that conference. Mm -hmm. Get around those people who have done it, and then you can emulate what they're doing. So you can find out more about this if you're interested at Merch by Amazon Lifestyle on Facebook, and I'll put that link. But go check out this food. (laughs) rj.mac on instagram it is incredible yeah i really appreciate it i love what you're doing i just i love that you're 24 years old and doing this on your terms already i can't imagine what you're going to be like when you get to my age i mean it's just incredible to me and it's very cool your parents are very proud of you thank you so much i wish you nothing but success thanks steven i really appreciate it man oh man what a what a great interview i'm telling you as a dad i get proud of guys like that because it's like man you know, your son gets it, dad, you know, so dad, if you're listening, good job, mom, good job. You guys have done well. You have a grounded son who understands there's more to life than money. There's more to life than running around saying you did it. Um, sometimes it's just uh, taking it all in and, and gaining perspective. And I just think he's a good example of somebody who's done that. So very cool story. Reach out to him again, follow him on Facebook. Um, and follow him on Instagram. I mean, rj.mac and take a look at that food. Oh my goodness. Ecommercemomentum.com. Ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ecommerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.